0: Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest podcast. I'm your host, Data Santos, joined as always by the Justin Coleman to my Mike Davis. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing?
1: Uh, I am rolling in $9 million poorly spent per year.
0: All right, and our very own JR <laughs> Sweezy. That's right, Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you feeling right now? You're Cardinal.
1: L-
2: Limping to my new free agent contract <laughs>
0: one stub at a time. Uh.
1: Begging the question, who shot JR? Um, okay, so.
0: Age. We, we brought it up right away. There's <laughs> Poor conditioning. Several Seahawks have decided to uh, move on to a greener pasture, some much greener than others.
1: As we learned last year, though, that doesn't mean we'll get compensatory picks, damn it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Last year, the amount of money we sent out was a lot more than when we brought in, but the number of players matters the most in the calculation, so we got screwed. Okay. Um, let's start with Justin Coleman. Justin Coleman gets four years, $36 million, from the uh, Lions. What was your first reaction when you heard the contract terms, Eric?
2: Um, how we talked two months ago about how he's had a down year. And Remember, he was. And
0: down year for him is going from the best slot corner to the fifth best slot yes. corner. Yes.
2: But the, he, we could probably <laughs> get him it. at like maybe, you know, six and a half, seven million a year because his position didn't command a lot. And immediately, like, wow, the slot corner is getting overpaid too. And the Lions sure are doing something with money. That was my reaction. Nathan. The, the Lions are the Lions. Uh, so getting all those ex-Patriots.
0: Don't forget Justin Coleman. Matt, Matt Patricia didn't forget. It's odd. Never forget the whole thing. is odd. It's, um, a, it's an Jersey interesting game plan, plan, right? I don't. I don't understand because uh, two years ago, or was it three years ago? Matt Pat- Yeah, three years ago. Matt Patricia is the defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots trade Justin Coleman to the Seattle Seahawks for a seventh round pick, basically, Which is basically saying, "Throwing him in the dumpster." We don't <laughs> want this guy; he sucks. Um, and then, not more than what two or three years later, here he is, a free agent, and we're going to give him nine million a year to play a niche position. Uh, it doesn't make, and I think Justin Coleman is a very fine football player, and I do not begrudge him for getting his money. Nice job, Justin. But this is like. Kind of a crazy um, amount of money for a slot cornerback.
1: And that's the thing is, he's a pure slot corner. He's not a guy who's going to kick outside and be effective. No.
0: This is what he do. Well,
1: he's when I, he's I, very
0: good at it. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's Oh, yeah. He's the and that's
1: a valuable position in today's NFL, without a doubt. He's going to play 666
2: solid snaps next year. Hail Satan. And nothing against Justin Coleman, but someone said it in our group chat, Pete Carroll, cornerback whisper. I think we'll be okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, and honestly, especially the slot corner spot, we've done a good job of bringing people up through the ranks.
0: All right, let's go to Mike Davis. Um, we've talked a lot about this podcast about how we feel like Mike Davis is the perfect NFL backup running back. The Bears obviously felt much the same, giving him $3.5 million a year, over two years, to come in and back up their running back duo of Jordan Howard and, uh, oh my gosh, my brain, it turned off. Oh, Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen. so Cohen. So uh, they, they, um... And
1: uh, probably just treat Cohen. Uh, they're, they're, the, the rumors the rumor.
0: are that they're going to try to trade just Jordan Howard, but I don't know if it's going to happen. They they're not going to give him away for nothing. He was no. effective last year to the point where it's not just going to be like, hey, we got to throw this guy in the trash here. He's not
1: getting big paid, so yeah, it's
0: not it's not a like Odell be- Beckham or Antonio
1: Brown or something. So there'll be
2: a team like the Titans who will need him.
1: The Titans already have two running backs. Okay, they can anyway. always use a third. The it'll be the Jaguars because they constantly make bad deals for running backs.
0: <laughs> um, okay. So, did you are you guys going to are you, Kevin are you going to miss Mike Davis and his like his like gritty t- particular brand of gritty toughness?
1: You know, there is something to be said about somebody who provides a solid floor. We always knew no matter what the injury situation or anything, that production was going to be at least a certain level and Mike Davis was that level. Congratulations. You were like one step above replacement level in every single facet of the position yeah, that, so yeah i'll miss his reliability for sure that, that's the thing he blocks good he catches good he he runs good he
0: wasn't like he had no one great skill you know he was missing like the if he had one great skill like if he could just break of tackles or um was like an otherworldly pass catcher he might have been able to carve out a bigger role but he was just like Pretty good at everything, and you know he's the like I said, he's a Swiss Army knife, perfect NFL backup.
2: Well, Kevin said
0: it perfectly.
2: It was we knew our floor. If everyone went down, we knew that we'd be okay. Of all the players that moved on, I'm glad Mike got paid. Like I'm, we will be fine finding a third running back. I'm so glad Mike got his money.
1: And Rashad Penny has more upside. We wanted him, and the Seahawks as a team would want him to take away. You know, we had 116 rushing attempts and a uh, pretty high number of snaps for Mike Davis. Um, 160 rushing attempts, 143 snaps. We would want to see Penny take the bulk of those. So, yeah, I mean, we don't need uh we don't need Mike Davis All right. paid on our roster to uh, occupy like 60 snaps.
0: Is anyone on this podcast going to miss JR Sweezy?
2: No, but I I lament our lack of depth. I don't know, is that a real is that
1: a real statement? Ooh, I got this. Yeah. So much like Mike Davis, uh I will miss that J.R. Sweezy always gave us a stable floor of slightly below average. We knew no matter what else happened, we we're gonna get at least slightly below average yeah, guard say, play. It's like Mike Davis, but not as good.
0: Yes, <laughs> oh, exactly.
2: You know what? Before we started recording, Nathan said offensive line seems like the one position in the NFL. What did you say, Nathan? feels uh, like you, you need to keep putting forth effort. Yeah, you got to keep trying all the whole play. <clears throat> I will say this. J.R. Sweezy, for lack of ability, he had... Here we go. I'm being possessed by John Gruden. He had grit, and he always put forth the effort.
1: Are you saying that he brought forth a blue-collar well, lunch pail <laughs> attitude? I, I
0: think that, that you make a good point, though, Eric. like J.R. Sweezy's entire usefulness was based on how well he was able to just like keep keep playing you he know, really keep handled trying.
1: it one snap at a time well look look at the he guy he was that, always
2: looking to win the snap look at the guy the raiders traded to the <laughs> jets that was a guy that was kind of lamented for how do you say his name kevin uh
1: kelechi exactly
2: I thank you uh he was lamented as a guy who didn't play every game even though they sh- thought he should have maybe he didn't put forth the effort sweezy played on as kevin was making uh jokes about on you know he was playing on nubs he was he was playing on peg legs I appreciate that effort. Well, he was on Tampa Bay. That's, and, that's thematic. And guess what? I'm not going to miss JR Sweezy for long, because he'll be back in three years on his 40-year-old contract. He'll be great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> his age
0: 47 contract. Um, Seahawks, Seahawks did uh, did do some, uh, some signing of their own. They re-signed Akeem King and RFA tendered like a bunch of guys. Uh, Uh,
1: Can we talk about Akeem King real quick? Sure. So people are saying Akeem King is the new slot corner guy. I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think his skill set translates that well to that. But what he does provide is, again, he's the Mike Davis of corners. He'll give you some (laughs) average play on the outside. He's trending up. Um, I, I, but he's not—he's not like bad Mike Davis. Akeem, he's like Mike Davis. Mike my Akeem Davis. King
0: Tank is—is is that he might be a pretty decent box box safety and like he remember that game where he shut down Travis Kelsey. Uh huh. Like, and that's the thing about Akeem King is he can do a bunch of—he's kind of a Swiss Army knife. His upside is like uh, Deshaun okay. Shed. He can play outside corner. He could probably fill in a little bit at, at slot corner. He could fill in as as a box safety. Um, he he can fill all those roles and play above average special teams. I just would that never together, want
1: to see him dealing with a foot speed slot wide receiver. Yeah, all of, of that
0: together it makes him a very good seventh round pick. Like I mean, the, he's I think he's he's good. Like that's a good it's a good signing. It's it's provides solid depth at a lot of positions um, where we lack depth. Yeah, we're, we're especially yeah especially now we don't have any any of it. Um, NFL. You guys ready for some NFL stories? This week was crazy. It yeah. was. We're going to go like fast. We're going to try to go yeah. fast because uh, I want to leave time to talk about the offensive lineman that the Seahawks might uh, make a move for. But here we go. Um, okay. Uh, the Raiders got Antonio Brown. Yeah, we're just going to do one person reacts. Eric, I what's your me, reaction? Big Jest. I'm glad that he's not in the NFC. You're glad he's not in the NFC? All yeah. right. Kevin. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., is traded to the Browns. How do you? What do you think about that one?
1: Uh, I don't understand this move for either team, but I mean, sure. The Browns have a billion dollars in cap space, but I guess he provides a contrasting deep threat. I don't know. I'm good. And for the a Browns. winning
0: attitude. All right, Eric. Uh, they gave Landon Collins eighty-four million dollars <laughs> to play box safety. Uh, the Redskins. What? Well, one. This is not
2: should. Should not surprise you with the Redskins. I thought it would be cool to see him here on a much lower contract to see what Pete Carroll could have done with him. But yeah, that's it's a ludic- it's right. ludicrous.
0: My land and Collins' take is that he is he is a, a, a he's a really fast linebacker. Like he's not. It's like he's like Deion Buchanan. <laughs> like it's it's like it, he's not really a safety totally anymore. And so as long as Washington knows what they're getting, then. That's fine. But it's Washington, but, so you know. But they if don't. they but if they think he's going to like step back and cover deep, they are in deep shit. Yeah, if that you ever is, put him in
1: single high, you're screwed.
0: Yeah, that is he's not. A, that's not his skill set. Like, and I one thing I hate the NFL teams try to do is fit square pegs into round round holes. Kevin Anthony Barr agreed to a deal with the Jets, then backed out and said, "JK, I'm going back to the Vikings." They're going to pay 13 million dollars to a four three outside linebacker.
1: Um, when we had one of the best four, three outside linebackers, uh, weak side linebackers in the business, uh, we talked about how 8 million was probably overpaying. Now, the one thing I'll say for Anthony Barr is he's more productive as a pass rusher than KJ Wright was. And so I guess maybe he has a little bit more upside there cause he plays weak side and strong side linebacker, but that doesn't feel super great. That was really nice for the jets when he backed out. So they weren't paying $11 billion to linebackers.
0: Yeah, they that would have been their fifth linebacker for only four starting spots. Uh, and another thing that's weird is giving a $13 million a year to a guy who's not rushing the passer is super questionable in general, and especially if they're not a middle linebacker. Not
1: to mention they're in a spot where they could probably uh, draft like a Montez Sweat, and now you've just blocked him with Anthony Barr in a 3-4 system. So no, might four, be, they
0: play 4-3 in Minnesota. He plays 4-3 outside linebacker. No, no,
1: no. Uh, the Jets. Jets. Oh, the Jets. The, the Jets. Jets are in a position where they could have draft like a guy like Montez Sweat who'd be a yeah. good fit <laughs> for a... Uh, for a pass rushing three four outside linebacker, they're going to be blocking him with Anthony Barr. They're going to pick, which one is so in, funny. They're
0: going to pick one of those interior guys and play him in the in the three four in the three part of the three four. That's fine. Eric Honey Badger, Chiefs three three years, they're forty two million.
2: Uh, maybe overpaid because he he's not exactly. I don't know. He was pretty healthy in it's not Houston. Not a spring chicken. No, but man, that guy's got paid. I think he's really going to improve the Chiefs, or at least probably keep their good safety core going. Good for him. That's my reaction. Aren't they uh,
1: paying like? Forty million dollars a year to safeties now. I don't
0: know. This is <laughs> accurate. Uh, no, not that much. It's, it's accurate. It's, yeah, Eric Berry, it's, Eric like, it's like it's twenty up on twenty five. Twenty seven million. Because <laughs> Eric Barry's getting thirteen and Tyron Matthews getting fourteen. Million. As I said, I, I will say though, Tyron Matthews is a slot corner. He's he's very versatile. Uh they can do a lot of things with him. They better because to get their money's worth. You can play
2: cover one and drop him down under cover Kevin, be cool,
0: Kevin, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they uh they bid themselves up and paid twenty two million dollars a year to Nick Foles uh <laughs> who are they bidding against why did they give him so much money
1: uh they were bidding against a bunch of people who were going look what i can get jacksonville to do you guys yeah shh, don't laugh don't laugh don't laugh we're thinking about giving 20 million god they're shut, so stupid shut up, shut up.
2: wasn't this like the worst kept secret that he was going there i guess
1: everyone that. knew he was going there and they bid themselves up and they paid Ow. him 22 million for four years this is like the
0: third time jacksonville's done this too they did it with um the off the offensive lineman and the the offense what's the offensive lineman kevin Ah, whatever. But uh, the guy who came over from the Panthers,
1: the yeah. guard uh, Newton.
0: And then they did it. They did it with um. No, I'm wrong on that.
1: Cam Newton's not... No,
0: it's not that guy. But they did it with uh, But they do it all the time. <laughs> they do this like the third time they've done this. Oh, they did it with the cornerback uh, Bouye. Yeah, and they did They do this. They do this all the time where they just give guys like extra money. It's like you don't just because you have money doesn't mean you have to spend it. Um, and they still have Bortles. So Kevin, uh, that good call on that one. Uh, Eagles got Deshaun Jackson back. Eric, how did that make you feel? <sighs> He belongs there. I feel like that's a team that is treading water.
2: It's not; They're not going to be better. They're not going to be worse. They're going to be treading water, and Deshaun Jackson, uh, that that team couldn't wait to get rid of him, and now he's back, y'all. Fine, whatever.
0: Um, Latavius Murray, Kevin, this should drive you crazy, is now on the Saints. Alvin Kamara will not get the full work- workload. How did you feel about that?
1: It's fine. I mean, you don't <laughs> want to use him for every single snap anyway, whatever.
0: It's, I, I found it so irritating I was like finally Kamar, the way is clear Kamara is going to get a lot of carries and they just they sign like an actually relevant running back And yeah, a,
1: but a much less relevant running back
0: Mark Ingram did you know this Mark Ingram turns 30 this year
1: yeah
2: sounds like a good number three for Seattle <laughs>
0: Mark Ingram, <laughs> that's Ingram. What I think well, it's, yeah, that's what's not- going to get paid Markinger is going to get, like, $7 million over The Jaguars 29. are going to s- sign him for $7 a year. Oh, okay, okay, okay. They're going to bid themselves
1: up. Come on. Get with the program. Can you guys uh, believe okay. he's
2: still available after 24 Ter- hours?
0: Terrell Suggs will don the Cardinals red. Eric, how did that one make you feel? That was, this
2: hurts two ways. One, three ways. One, I love Terrell Suggs. Two, I hate the Cardinals. Three, last week you were like, Eric, tell me about the Ravens. Are they going to lose C.J. Mosley? Are they going to lose Terrell Suggs? I was like, there is no way. They're going to be great. Uh, <laughs> this team clearly has no identity anymore, and I cannot believe Suggs is a Cardinal. I'm so mad about it. It was
1: Andrew Norwell for everyone who is yelling at us. Oh, jeez. Andrew Norwell is the offensive lineman oh, yeah. that they bit themselves I'm sure up. I'm
0: glad that Andrew Norwell's
1: dad... Got his uh, got his piece. All right,
0: uh, Kevin Kevin Zeitler got traded to the Giants for Olivier Vernon. Uh, why did the <laughs> Why did the Browns do this? Can uh, you please explain me this. Because, I didn't know that
1: because they are trading a replaceable guard asset for a quality. Pass rusher?
0: No, I would say it's the other way. They traded a quality guard for a replaceable pass rusher, and not only that, but I are. disagree. Emmanuel Ogba is better than Olivier Vernon. Don't They're pl- at, come at me playing
1: musical Vernon right now. Uh, uh, I believe. I believe as Seattle fans, we should know that off the defensive linemen work in rotation.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, but the, I just think that Kevin Zaitler's were pretty good. He's expensive. Is the problem? Like, and I feel twelve like, million dollars is a lot of
1: money to be paying a guard. And they have a lot of. They still have draft assets. They have a lot of opportunity. Like they have a lot of opportunities to replace him with a more cost-controlled option. I think Olivier Vernon is going to be good because the problem on the Giants was he was the only pass rusher. Well, I will never they, be the situation. What about, what about in when any they moved rotation? him to? What, what weak side linebacker? Uh, thank you for reinforcing my point. The the Giants are terrible at football. Fucking terrible run team.
0: All right, choice time, Eric. What, what's your? What anything that I mean, anything that I didn't say there? I know there's so many more still.
2: Uh, what are we missing that I really love talking Joe about? Joe
0: Flacco. I thought that's what you'd pick. No,
2: no, I don't care about Joe uh, Flacco. You want to talk about Eric He's Weddle? Yeah, actually, layers? yeah, let's talk about Eric Weddle. Um, I thought that guy was... T- he was taken in by a team that is not us given a contract that we probably could have matched and not hated it. It was like $7 million a year, $7.5 million? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I i don't know. Maybe Weddle doesn't have the, the legs anymore, but I, I think I'd have... Been alright with that, maybe.
0: I've at least been intrigued. Alright, Kevin, your choice? Uh, jeez. See, about C.J. Mosley contract? Do you think that that... Here, I'll give you one. <laughs> C.J. Mosley contract. Does that set the bar really, really high for Bobby or what?
1: No, I think instead what it does is everyone's going to be looking back laughing at them for spending that much for an inside linebacker. I don't think that reset the market. That just was... Did 51? Eric Bear, did the Eric Berry deal reset the market on safeties? Well, I, no, I, everyone
0: I, looked at him and laughed. I didn't think that until this year when safeties now are getting paid. By um, dumb people. Two box safeties got Tell like me the good team dollars. that
1: overpaid for a safety.
0: Uh, the Chiefs
1: on defense they they're the ones who do the Eric Berry contract.
0: Right. They need to give him more APY. Uh,
1: I know. So it's that and then it's To go with what you're the, saying the, though, the when kids.
2: the Niners get Earl Thomas over pay for him, you'll be right again, Kev. That's true. <laughs> that is going to happen. That's literally the only team that has no Actually, safety that will pay for that much money. It
1: seems pretty hot that uh um that he's he's looking at possibly coming back here. So we'll see what happens to that. Uh, By the way, uh, most recent rumor Ravens might be signing Mark Ingram to an eight million a year deal. Yeah, it, like I could see second Earth two sixteen. Like ah. I, I think that that's that's kind of like a. Oh, I like, like the Bills' moves at wide receiver. That's the one I forgot. Oh, like the, so the Bills yeah. picked up Cole Beasley to play slot receiver, so that uh, their quarterback could overthrow him constantly. All right, because <laughs> he's not very tall. <laughs> my, my choice. But they actually picked up uh, John Brown, Brown, who is a yeah. fast outside receiver who will be a better deep threat than the bad receiver that they had that was just fast. Yeah, when, name when
0: I first read the, that we, the Seahawks signed Jaron Brown, I thought it said John Brown. I got really excited, and then. then I was like, <laughs> Oh, Jaron Brown. He's he's Okay. Not as good as John Fred. He'll catch his nineteen good passes. passes. Good for them. Uh the rumor is that we're in the we're in the hunt for Tyrell Williams too, um, which would be really nice. Uh Tyrell Williams brings a, a vertical speed element that uh that I think would be very pleasant to watch with Russell Wilson's deep volubility. Um I
1: agree, I just hope we don't overpay for him because he's pretty popular.
0: My uh my big my big uh big story, I got my choice time. You guys ready? Yeah, Let's hear it. uh the SPNs grab the Boogermobile, rest in peace, guys. Rest in peace, bo- <laughs> Booger Mobile. If
1: there were ever a time, Nathan, to pull out rest in pepperonis, yeah. the Boogermobile Mobile is definitely the, the time gonna, to pull that out. I'm just... That and Papa John's
2: career. I just love the fact that I could look on Monday Night Football and be like, the graphic on the screen says Booger right now. Does anyone see this?
0: Yep, it does. Did you see this? Did you hear about this? Um, All right. Uh, that, That's pretty much it. Uh, I just want to be on record saying that I think that this... A lot of people are killing the Giants for this Odell Beckham trade. I don't think it's that bad. I think them. it's a good trade. I think it's no, not totally, bad at all. I think it's totally fine for the Giants, especially
1: uh, because they're rebuilding and they're drafting a quarterback in the first round, so they can get a quarterback. They can spend a later pick on a wide. I receiver. just want to be
0: on the other side of public consensus, like I was with the Trent Richardson's trade, which <laughs> I turned out I was right times a thousand. Uh, okay, um, that's that's it. Oh, but by the way, Jarvis. I don't know if you know this, but Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are best friends. So get excited for whatever that brings us um i don't know like they're gonna fight really great instagram lives probably the touchdown celebrations (laughs) are gonna be epic they were college roommates they were this is like the the best okay um that's my wide receiver man i mean everyone's gonna love the browns this year because they've been bad for so long it's and they should be so good it's gonna be the uh browns love fest um and one thing i'll say um the the whole like people the rumor going around that you know Earl Thomas might be interested in, in coming back to the Seahawks. I don't think he ever wasn't. It's all about the money for him. He ne- he wants guaranteed money. He wants to get like $13 or $14 million a year. It's not complex what it takes. It takes three years, $50 million. Like we we all know kind of what it takes to get him to come back. So that's, that's basically all I have to say about that. All right. All right. Let's get into it. Offensive line. Yeah. The Seahawks. Current current members, Kevin. Both current members of the Seahawks offensive yeah, this, line. Yeah, this is this is, is a this is bare slim picking. In that injured guy bones. All right, we got Dwayne Brown. Yep, Jermaine Fetty, yep Jordan Simmons, and Jamarco Jones. There he is. Uh, Elijah Holyfield. Nick Kansa. I'm not going to try that. Uh, <laughs> Ethan Posich and Jordan Roos are the only guards on the roster. I mean, Jordan Simmons is a tackle Jordan slash Simmons guard. Jordan Simmons is a guard. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think he'll end up at guard. But so we have our work cut out for us. Centers: Justin Britt and Joey Hunt. And it seems very likely that George Fant will be back. Um, yes. That's that's kind of the the trend. We're trending in that direction. Um. So in general, the reason all these this money splashed around is because the cap went up by a little more than people expected. People were expecting the cap to go up by five ish million, and it went up by ten.
1: And so now people are spending 110 billion dollars like, like it'll happen it's every kind of like
0: that year in the NBA where that's where they got the TV deal and the salary caps went way up and then everyone got paid and then th- 2 years later everyone was like, "Whoa, we have a lot of really bad contracts on our on our." <laughs> it's exactly like cap. that. So, this is it's kind of a similar thing happening to it. The Seahawks are wisely showing some restraint here and I think they're going to kind of go for a like pick up the scraps mentality um, which is kind of what they always do, but
1: It'll be good for a few reasons. Uh, Number one, we won't be saddled with long-term bad contracts. And number two, it makes a lot of sense if you are trying to pick up some extra draft assets by kind of grabbing that second tier set of players. Those are the guys that are not going to take away your uh, compensatory picks. Are there any uh, draft
2: picks we can pick up in free agency? No? Okay. No,
1: we can't sign a draft pick. Uh,
0: You can. You just have to wait till the end of the draft. (laughs) After
2: everybody's gone, you can go back and get sevenths.
1: So, I mean, who makes sense for us? Uh, like James Carpenter. James Carpenter coming back would be fitting.
0: Uh, he's thirty years old, plays guard. He's going to make very little money and provide solid rotational depth. I think. did he
1: already sign with? Uh, oh, no. did he sign with the Falcons?
0: Oh wait, he did sign with the Falcons. Four years, wow. unknown unknown value. You're right. A team that has very strong Seattle ties went and got him. No yeah. sur- that would have been a nice little JR Sweezy replacement. No su- no surprise there. Um, so yeah, because I think that like, uh, like TJ it- Lang
1: might make sense. He's been a um, little banged up, but he probably will be on a budget deal. He's got some leadership ability, he'd be like this year's JR Sweezy. Um He's better than JR Sweezy, but I'm not But I mean that kind of a signing though.
0: Is that kind of a is that a really a uh, high high bar to cross though?
1: Right. I mean he'd be like more average. Um, uh, how do you feel about Matt Slauson, Chance Warmack, Chance Warmack, not making names of them. Chance Warmack wouldn't be bad. Um,
0: Chance Warmack's not bad. Chance Ted Wormack, Larson, Chance Warmack was like three years ago, like a really hot, um, like potential guy to go get, and yes. then the heat was completely taken off. Uh, but I think he'd
1: be he'd be fine now. John Greco is old, but he's like solid. He'd be a guy who could provide like a f- solid floor at guard. I don't really know if that's what we need, though. At guard, this
0: is like so hard. We need some starters at guard. That's the thing. Like, I'm not super into. In a perfect world, in a perfect world, we get Roger Roger Saffold, but that's too late. Um, I don't know. Go get Glowinski back. Just kidding. (laughs) The Colts Um, have him locked up. The. Well, yeah, like who are we got? Mike Eppotty, Mike, U- U- potty? Mike U-
1: potty like try to uh, revive Andy his Levitre. Do we I have like to get a I bunch U- of guys when he's in- has two legs? Andy Levitre's like fine, but again, that's that's a dude who's got some
0: years on. I him. I feel man. like all of these guards. The thing about all the free agent guards is that they they all have Jonathan Cooper. They all have issues. Like they all have things that I don't like about them. Like none of them are. Oh yeah, that that guy that's completely safe. There's no. Uh, there's nothing wrong there. And, the, and then the tackles just aren't aren't that exciting. Like, I don't know if any
1: of the tackles are that much better than um, the uh, the new and improved uh, Jermaine Fettie. Well, like if here's the thing: if you're
0: telling me like Bobby Massey's is worth uh, forty million over five years, then I don't know if I want to be in this tackle market. Like that, right. it's 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 like getting weird out there. Where there's, I kind of want to be and like. Juwan James got $51 million. Like, this is, like, it's insane out there. The, stay safe. Like, that's that's my that's my my advice to all these teams. I'm glad the Seahawks are kind of holding back and kind of seeing the way. People
1: are spending dumb money, and I think there might be some decent deals at the very end. Where like, everyone runs somebody's going to pay, like, $12 million a year for Daryl Williams. That's not a good contract. Someone's going to give Joe Barksdale... <laughs> like like 10 million dollars and uh, this is the world someone, we live in folks someone
0: already gave Adam Humphrey's 9 million dollars a year like the world has turned upside down that's a slot receiver who like caught balls at a league it's average a good rate good slot receiver eh, i'm not going that far but if everyone's healthy on 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 Tampa Bay a team that won like what five games last year six games. games last year uh He's like what the fifth off option on the offense. Alan, me,
2: let me remind you. Sweet. Alan Humphreys is the guy that you looked at Adam every Humphreys. week. You come first. Name. Humphreys. Adam Humphreys is the guy you looked at every week, in your and you're oh, we and to see football and said, yeah, don't pick him up.
1: I love it. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm pretty good with staying out of this market until it cools. The hot stove is too hot. Yeah, it's it it's it's, it's
0: wild odd. out there right now. Okay.
1: Yeah, maybe like Jake Fisher or Eric Flowers do a reclamation project on one right. of those like wash out first rounders.
0: That's kinda of what I'm thinking is that we're gonna end up with some guy who seems like uh, that guy, like we're gonna try to re the same way we tried to reclaim that guy from the Jaguars that was trash, um, yep one year eight million. We're going to try to do something like that this year. Luke Jokel? Yeah, Luke Jokel. That was a Jokel. Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. That's,
1: you shouldn't have done that. Mm. It's a nice thing when you're talking to a boy. Okay,
0: let's, uh, let's get into draft because I think this is where we actually might make them. Move on the offensive line. Let's start off with guys that we like but we won't ever have a chance to pick, Kevin. Jawan Taylor?
1: Uh, Definitely going to go in the top 12.
0: Uh, it's super good. Uh, I want to watch, Taylor, uh, I literally watched one YouTube video and was like, this guy's too good, we're not getting him
1: Yeah, if you want to watch some game <laughs> tape uh, if you're looking at the Florida line he's the dude, dude, dude who's doing all the stuff that you want an he's, offensive lineman to do he's,
0: he's the one doing the murdering He does all the things Okay, uh, a guy who uh, I think won't be available when we pick is uh, Jonah Williams
1: uh, Jonah Williams is a guy who seems like he shouldn't be physically able to do everything and then he just does everything Really, He's like the Greg Maddox of offensive linemen Like he's just technically so good that it doesn't matter if that it doesn't seem like he should dominate. He just kind of does.
0: He's really like. Yeah, he's super technical. Like, his technical stuff all is perfect. See the Will and Disley? A lot of people think lineman. that even if he doesn't end up having the length or si- uh, length to be, like, a tackle, he'll be really good as a guard if he doesn't pan out. So, And I just
1: want to go on record as saying I think those people are wrong and but, they shouldn't move him. But I'm the just tackle. saying, like, <laughs> he's I, know, gonna, I, know. I think
0: I agree with you. He'll be fine as a tackle. Like, this guy will play right tackle for 15 years in the NFL and be great. But, but you could
1: move him to guard, and guess what? He'd be really good okay. and technically sound there, too. <laughs> right.
0: Uh, we, so we probably aren't getting a chance. Now, guys that we might get a chance to draft— that are really good. It just depends on what happens. The
1: following three offensive tackles are being projected somewhere between the fourth pick in the first round and, and the fourth pick in the second right, round. Right. These guys all are these guys are all, are, guys are all over the
0: place. So um let's start with Andre Dillard. I think um a lot of people have him as the biggest riser since the college football season ended i think he probably started out the process as a third round pick moved up to a second round by the time the combine rolled around and he finished the senior bowl and then when the combine rolled around he crushed it number two in the three cone number one in the 40 like among all offensive linemen he what he really did was fantastic. answer any
1: question you had about whether he could translate his game from the system using in college right. and so people the tape's hard
0: to evaluate because he plays wide splits in wsu and it, but i mean his pass sets are really good he has the technical skill to keep up with pass rushers um, and it's just really hard to tell like what what's his power like because he's standing up on every play and he the way that they're they're set up is just odd. So you know you have to figure out like is there real power there and the answer is yep because he he killed all the power drills and he's just he's he's really good. I don't think he'll be available when we pick Kevin. You agree, right?
1: Uh, I think you'd be I'd be shocked if he's available. He's the best pass blocking offensive tackle in the draft.
0: Do you think that do you think that he will if he's available like on a scale of one to ten? Ten being ten being last year's draft if we get to pick um Duran James. Duran James. And one being not excited at all. Where would you be on that scale? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. I'm I'm at like eight and a half. I think that he'd be a very exciting prospect to put in a Seahawks uniform and just Plug and play right tackle day one.
1: Can we talk about two things here? And I'll let you do because you, I'll let you explain how the Seahawks use offensive linemen. Sure. I want to explain a little bit of a combine piece. Okay, and you can step in where you feel like it. Okay. So there's a concept out there called a uh, trench, trench explosion formula. Um, which sounds like a venereal disease, but it's actually a way of calculating, um, explosiveness, like what you'd look at for in a wide receiver or running back. So you want to look at a guy who can make cuts and stuff at those positions in on the offensive line. You want to look at a guy who has power through his legs and then power in his core. And this is calculated, calculated by taking a guy's bench press, um, vertical jump and broad jump. And you run it through a formula, and a score over three is a score that's really common among all pro and pro bowl offensive linemen. Uh, what this really indicates is that they have the physical ability to where if you coach them up from a technical aspect, they can be physically dominating to other players. Now, the problem in the combine is not everybody has all these drills. So you don't have full numbers for anyone, but you want a guy who's like over a two, seven, five. And if a guy's over a three, that's like a plus thing. Andre Dillard was a 3.12. Um and Andre, he was basically as high as you're gonna get from an offensive lineman Andre in this. Andre Dillard jumped 118
0: inches and they put a like they, they don't put video for every combine thing on the NFL.com website, but they did for that. Because it's a it's a good dude. He jumps yeah. far for a guy who's 6'5", th- 305 or whatever. Yeah, he is a large human. Yeah, it's like,
1: whoa, how did he yeah, that's a that's a long standing broad jump. Okay. He also ran in a sub five forty. This guy would have been one of would be a decently athletic tight end. I'm
0: I'm excited <laughs> about the prospect of maybe getting Andre Dillard. Okay. Uh Cody Four. Opposite.
1: This is a guy who's raw power incarnate, but lacks a lot of the technical that you want. Um he Sounds is, like a Fetty. Uh no, think more like a road grading mm-hmm. right tackle who will just maul people in the run game. So good of Freddie. Cody, uh, Cody Cody maybe like a about, Joe Conklin. The thing
0: about Cody Ford is is that um he wasn't like the most explosive athlete at the combine. He only pinched 19. He jumped 104, but Cody Ford is like the most effort exerted of any guy I watched, I think. Like he constantly looks to recover on plays that he messes up. He constantly looks to finish off guys that he that he that he um, missed, and he is—he also he, looks like the mountain that rides. He has a really good balance and agility set for a guy who weighs three hundred and fifty pounds.
1: This dude is huge.
0: Yeah. So the the thing for me is that I could see uh, a an angle that people would take that this guy could could end up at guard in the NFL because of his weight, and I don't totally disagree with it. He is—he's um he's Mikey Potty sized. He's like, yeah, he has that like Mikey Potty like size mobility combo where when he. Uh, the thing I like about watching Oklahoma is they ask their, well, one there's two things. One thing I like I don't like is that is that all their guys are in weird stances all the time. Cody Little played in a, like a quarter stance almost all of the plays that I watched because uh, that's how they line up their offensive linemen. And then uh, Cody Little, Cody um, Ford, or Cody Ford, sorry, Cody I'm mixing up Greg Little and Cody Ford into one person because they're opposite people. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, but uh, Cody, Cody Ford, um, he, he just. The thing I like about it is they have to extend plays, like because Kyler Murray's all over the field, right? And even Baker Mayfield last year in their 2017 film, same thing. Because I watched their 2017 game against Ohio State. Too. Yeah, they're
1: very mobile with the pocket, and they do a lot of things to like shift things and be unexpected in the as an offense. Yeah, and, and I the think, offensive line has to keep up with that.
0: I think Ford. If I think Ford has a higher
1: has a higher upside as a guard, the ceiling is higher. Uh, the, uh, whereas I disagree with shifting Jonah Williams, I can see a path to where Cody Ford makes sense as a guard.
0: Because I like when he pulled and, when, plug he, and play, or when he got out on the edge, the way he, he moved, and that stuff is guard stuff. Like, that stuff guards need to be able to do, and he's really good at that. That's some of his strengths. When, like, they put him out there on a screen pass and just let him murder a guy— and he'd like throw, he'd like suplex a guy out of bounds. I'm like, yeah, that's my dude.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but, this is a guy who'll pick I up want, the
0: blocking sled and throw it into the fourth I, row. I want, I want this guy. So, um, I wouldn't mind if we brought in Cody Ford, trading back in the first round to like 28, and then said we're gonna, you're going to be our guard. But he might go before that. It could, it's a there's a wide range for this guy. Yes, depending on how other teams evaluate. He him.
1: has about the highest range out of any of these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last guy we're going to talk about is the guy that you and I are least excited about.
0: Yeah, Greg Little. At Ole Miss. Um, he's – he, like, just – sometimes he'll just bail on a play. Like, he just quits. And I don't – I don't know. For me, like, there's – I was talking to Kevin about this earlier. There's one thing that I'm, like, way too into when I'm watching offensive line tape. And it's probably because – see, if you're a Seahawks player, you can't ever give up on a play because Russell Wilson will keep the play alive for 14 seconds. Like, just absurd amount of the time and when you just like walk or walking behind a scrum or like just it's just like that stuff just is such a turnoff to me yeah it's one of those get your head in the game kid yeah and so Greg Little i just i just don't think he's a good fit for the Seahawks he might he might be better on another team and maybe the seahawks if the seahawks draft him they might be able to think they are able to motivate him which is fine with me good good luck um, cuz the physical tools are there but the
1: who's that guy who was on i think Jacksonville and then he got traded to the dolphins and got beat once and retired Oh,
0: yeah, Albert Wilson. Yeah,
1: that's kind of what I think of when I think about Greg Little. Yeah. He, like, a guy might have a lot of quit in him. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to evaluate him as a human being that way, but his tape, you saw, okay, I blocked my guy for four seconds, I'm done. His Alabama tape was was not fun. It was a harrowing experience. It's, it's really bad. Like now, the- if I had to block for his quarterback, maybe I'd just say screw it too, but... Yeah. <laughs> but, but I want to see He put some better tape but up He's kid. like He's he's pretty
0: He's, he's a athletically Everything there. you want He, he moves is,
1: really good. Uh, He has like The longest arms Out of any of the guard. Uh, well about He has some of the Longest arms in the draft He's got big hands He's tall He's broad He carries his weight well um, He's a little slow And I don't think He pulled very well On tape either But He's got a lot going on As a pass protecting Left tackle I- I'm just with you if I'm going to spend my first round pick on a dude, I want him to be like all in.
0: Yeah, I, I think that any of the other guys we've already talked about would be better for us as a if we stick in our spot and one of these guys falls, all four of those guys would be would be a better much better to me than than. Greg Little. All right. Yep. Should we talk about the guy who's going to go later, but we also like more? Let's do this, Kevin. I think the Seahawks trade back to the top of the second round, as some expect, or maybe b- very end of the first round. There are two guys that we both really like, as like they are kind of sec- fringy second roundish prospects. Maybe they could sneak into the end of the first round. Can you take the Big Twelve guys so I could talk
1: about my man crush?
0: Okay, because I love them both uh, equally. Um, I think they're both great. Um, but you're, you're. I think your yours is. The better guy so i'll let you have him though i'll let you have him i appreciate All right. that uh, i'll dalton risner i'm swooning um okay <laughs> here's 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 dalton risner kevin you ready yep the big minus he'll be 24 as a rookie that's the minus
1: uh this guy showed up to high school on a motorcycle with facial hair the, the plus <laughs> is
0: did you watch the mississippi state tape when you oh did it? man Peak- fucking destroyed montez sweat like this guy put him in the cage i was like so excited i was getting so pumped up i was like dang this guy's making montez sweat look really bad like this guy he's he's got him he took his shoes man
1: this is like fantastic
0: yes so that's kind of what i really liked about dalton risner is that
1: he like or if you ever got to see him get to the second level yeah this is a dude who relishes the chip block and and then he turns up field and he is looking for a linebacker, a safety and to it's, murder. It's, and
0: he's smart. Like he knows where the play's is supposed to go. He diagnoses the guy, the right guy to block. Like he doesn't just walk into space and then hope someone's there. He like is like diagnosing the play in real time and being like, that's my guy. Boom. I'm going to make the play and get us an extra four yards. Like, I really liked him. I think he, he. I think he should be a borderline first round talent, but maybe might we might be able to sneak him in in the round two, and that would be really cool to me.
1: I think he's the second best run blocking tackle in this draft behind Jawan Williams or uh, Jawan Taylor, and I actually think he's a better run blocker than Cody Ford as a tackle. Whereas I think you're right about Ford being a great run blocking guard.
0: All right, right, Kevin, give me the guy who looks like he's the fifth man in a barbershop
1: quartet. All right, we're going to talk about a guy (laughs) who uh, is much meaner than he looks. Um, He looks so friendly. He does. He looks very friendly, and I'm sure he's a really nice guy. He looks like he's confused why you're using profanity. However, on the field, he will rip out your throat, and then he will show it to your mother like this guy is just everything. Um, I like him almost as much as I loved our man out of Notre Dame last year, who went much higher. So this is a top top tier offensive guard, Chris Lindstrom out of Boston College. Um, we talked about that trench explosion formula. Uh, he scored a three point one eight, yeah, which dude. is amongst the highest in everything. I was gonna bring up thirty inch vertical. Yeah, four
0: point nine one forty. That that's like the thing that excited me this the most. This dude's an athlete. His combine <laughs> scores are great for a guy who looks like, um, like your guy who goes to your church. Like like he just looks and so for a awesome. guy who looks like your youth pastor. This yeah, dude exactly.
1: is is just mobbing it. Um, he was extremely effective. He's one of the only players to be in the top twenty in both pass blocking and run blocking efficiency, um, in the college ranks last year. Uh, this guy. He has, if you watch him on tape, he does everything you want. If you look at his combine stats, it's everything you want. If you uh look at his efficiency numbers from, like, Pro Football Focus, it's everything you want. Uh I think my write-up here, uh, really good hands inside, his feet move with a strong base, he has good hip sync, um, he finishes a block nasty. If he doesn't get his hands on you, he'll... What he'll do is he'll basically like use his arm and shoulder because he's really long for a guard to like bench press a guy just to get repositioning on his hands. Like he just has a lot of these like quick savvy moves. Um, I watched him against Clemson and he was holding his own against a pair of really hard to handle defensive tackles. Can
0: I make one comment about like effort, an uh, effort
1: thing that I really like? Absolutely. When guys are when got
0: sometimes guys when they don't. When they get uncovered in a, in a pass blocking situation, they just stand there and like kind of wait around. Uh, not not Chris Lindstrom. No, he looks to find a guy and engage. He looks for work. Like he's he's trying to find a guy to to go after, which I really appreciated uh, on his tape.
1: And you could see he got beat by uh, Watkins against Clemson on one play. He got beat on an inside speed rush from one of the best three techs in the draft. On the next play, you could tell he was really mad. Because it wasn't really necessary to block him that hard because it was like the backside of a run play and he just like took him to the ground and like held him there Like, Mm like he was probably like talking to him on the ground about how upset he was that uh, he made him look bad, like like he might have taken his lunch money when he was down there. And this is against a really good three tech,
0: and you can tell the difference between like a guy like Ford or I'm um, not f- yeah Ford that we talked about earlier, where he's a one year starter and the technique's not there. Lindstrom started all four years, started as a freshman, and the technique is is very apparent. He's, yeah, his technique is so strong.
1: This is a day one plug in, either left or right guard, start him immediately, and he's immediately good.
0: Yeah, he's immediately like an above average guard and with upside to keep growing. Okay, Um, let's do... um, So those are your first
1: or early second
0: round guys. Yeah, let's just do like um, two more guys each, Kevin. Uh, Give me like a mid-round guy and then a late-round guy. Uh, Both guard and tackle or total? Just just one because we're running out of time.
1: All right. (laughs) Uh, So there's a bunch of dudes I want to talk about, but... Uh, The one I'll bring up is Alex Bars out of Notre Dame. Okay. So Alex Bars runs about 6'6", 3'12". They tried him out at tackle, but he's mostly a guard. Uh, He played on a really good offensive line at Notre Dame the last couple of years. Um, You will recognize the people that have been drafted out of there. He's coming off of an ACL-MCL injury, which is why he's dropped a little bit lower. But indications are he would have tested well. And when you watch him on tape, he's a guy who... He knows what he's doing. He's somebody that the line is kind of relying on. He's a really capable combo blocker. A strong bull rush can get him too upright and he loses pad level because he's really tall for a guard. But I think he does the things that we would want a guy to do really well. Um, He can handle inside speed. He can handle a lot of power. He's good on a combo block with a guy like Britt. He's really good at pulling when he gets to the second level. He's another guy who is... Um, he's adequate in his movement abilities, but when he gets his hand on you, he's really good at turning his body in order to shield like a run lane. So I think it would make a lot of sense as a, uh, either a left or a right guard in our system.
0: Um, all right, I'll go guard and this is like a third slash fourth round guy. I'm going to go with, uh, McGovern, uh, Connor McGovern. I think McGovern's really strong and he has a very apparent skill. Like you can't outstrength him. Um, the, the problem is that he, he's inconsistent on like, he doesn't get into the second level very well for a guard, which is, he also played center a lot at Penn state, but he's going to, I think he's going to play guard in the NFL.
1: I I would agree. I'm just saying that's part of why it's kind of hard to evaluate him as a guard.
0: Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to see what he has to bring And I think like as a day two slash early day three pick, um, he'd be great. He jumped really far. He did a really pretty good three cone drill. Um, 28 reps on the bench. So I, I, I'm, I'm a-okay with like a third round, fourth round flyer on Connor McGovern. Uh, all right. You're late, late guy, Kevin.
1: All right. Or later,
0: later guy. You can go.
1: All right. So, uh, Alex bars is probably like around four or five guy. Mm -hmm. Um, a guy who's going to be real late, like round six or seven out of wake forest, a guy named Phil Haynes. Uh Uh-huh. I see Uh, it. I see him here. All right. He tested really, really well. Yeah, thirty-three. He's very mobile. Thirty-three benches. Whoa. He's mobile. He's (laughs) strong. He played in a limited offense at Wake Forest that didn't always show him off well. And when you watch him on tape, he can get like a little bit like wild. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't always block. Like his technique needs a little bit of work. But he's a guy who maybe wouldn't start year one. But could be a plus guy down the road. Uh, he wouldn't be a bad guy to pick up late. All right. And if you can convert and clean some of those things up, he might be good earlier.
0: I'm gonna go with Caleb McGarry as my later guy. That that
1: I some so he's getting projected everywhere from the second to the sixth round. Yeah, he's a hard guy to get a handle on. Yeah, I'm lot not to like a hundred percent sure.
0: Like. So okay, great athlete, like elite, pretty elite athletics, um, but he is all over the place in terms of like moving his feet and like getting beat because of his mediocre technique and i don't know if it's like bad coaching because he didn't seem to get better um and then he has the heart rhythm issue that's part of why like i think he might be there like super late which I think in the fifth or sixth round that he is fantastic value, yes. Um, because he has he has second third round athletic abilities. So I'm just kind of waiting to see what what does um, it. But he's a project. I would be worried if we just threw him in on day one, and if he wasn't playing next to uh, okay. Dwayne Brown. Yeah, if he's playing next to Dwayne Brown, he'll be okay. Dwayne Dwayne will have his back, and he has the athletic tools to to kind of pull it together. If he's playing next to a Fetty, that could be a dumpster fire. So. Um, I'd like to. I'd be a little more worried about that. I think his
1: transition to guard would be a little rough too, because he's six seven. That's a, he, he's got a lot of size to be inside a guard, so it would be interesting to see how we plan on using him. Yeah,
0: like we, he could be like a swing tackle too. Uh, okay, and then Kevin, because I know you put in a ton of work, and we have three minutes. You got three minutes to get as many guys that you want to talk about in guys that just impressed you, oh, that you man. guys that you love. Uh, you know the way to my heart, Nathan?
1: Go ahead. All right, so uh, round two. Okay, so we'll go tackles first. Uh, Max Sharping out of Northern Illinois. He's going to be like a round two, three guy. Um, he was physically impressive at the Combine. When you watched his tape, he was a guy that I was a little worried about his movement skill because he's kind of chunky. But when you watch him, he gets to the outside pretty well. He has nice feet. Um, Max Sharping's is a guy who could stick at left tackle in the NFL or could be a really nice right tackle for a team like us. Um, Mitch Hyatt out of Clemson. He has been, they've cooled off on him a lot, but I feel like he was on kind of a subpar offensive line in Clemson. And if I had to look at it, he's the guy who projects pretty well for me. He's got quick feet and he could handle, uh, right tackle duties for us. Um, William Sweet out of North Carolina is a late, late round guy. And he is interesting because his measurables are good, but his movement skills are bad. So I don't know if that's something we feel like we could fix. Uh, Chuma Adoga out of USC is a guy who's going to go in the middle rounds. He has all the physical ability in the world, but he couldn't stay healthy. Um, if we were to pick him up, he's a guy who could make a difference right away. And then Tyler Jones of NC State uh, has a lot of physical ability. He was a um, four-year starter, but he's kind of undersized. He could be kind of like a Kelvin Beecham where he drops because of his size, but in the end he ends up being a really good player. Um, two polarizing guard prospects, both off the same team are Ben Powers and Drew Samaya out of Oklahoma. Um, watch this deep on your own. They're kind of similar players with opposite strengths and opposite weaknesses. Yeah. They, they, yes, I would agree with that assessment as well. 20 um, seconds. Kevin. Michael Dieter out of Wisconsin. I really like who I think is going to be a guard and not a tackle. And then another guy who would make a lot of sense for our team. Um, there's a guy, uh, Shaq Calhoun. Actually, I do kind of like Shaq Calhoun. I kind of like him, too. That's why. (laughs) But uh, there's uh, three guys at center to talk about real quick. So uh, Elton Jenkins out of Mississippi State and Eric McCoy are both guys who have plenty of power, some good movement ability and everything. And I think they project well in a power system, especially Elton Jenkins. He'd be a stud for us. He's probably going to be a round two or round three guy. Um, Eric McCoy doesn't have quite the movement ability, but I think he'd make a lot of sense for us. These are both really big centers, too. The guy who gets all the love is Garrett Bradbury. Nathan and I both agree that it doesn't make sense.
0: No, it doesn't. When
1: you watch him play, okay, he tested really, really well in the combine. Um, 34 on the bench. I didn't see that strength on the field, though. Uh, 7-4-1, 3-cone, 4-5-3 shuttle. Um, He's quick. I saw that, but, like, he can only combo block when I watched him ever go one-on-one with somebody, he got driven into the backfield so often he looked like a long snapper. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I feel like he's going to go in the top 15 and get a lot of credit for being a good player and forever be kind of average. So there's a guy, his
0: name's Iosua Ayosua Opeta, and he, like, did 39 bench presses, and he went to Weber State. And I just, like, want us to draft him. Because- I
1: watched his... Tape against Utah. Okay, and he was like, he's really interesting. Yeah, he's he's just huge and kind of raw. Yeah, he's just like has no like. He He looks like the Great Khali too. Yeah, he (laughs) he he
0: looks like a cross between like the Great Khali and Aquaman. Um, (laughs) The so he's a handsome Great Khali Well, he just like he's a total bro offensive tackle. It, I don't even know what position he plays in the NFL either. Like he's, a, man. he's a tackle. Some people are like he should put, switch to guard, and I'm like I don't know, man. He's he's pretty tall and like he has the strength and
1: speed to be to be a tackle. Yeah, he has the arm length and everything. There's no reason to shift him inside except that people like to say that. I just want to draft someone from Weber State. That's so sweet. How about uh, how about uh, uh, O.C. Uh, Udo from Elon? Uh, I didn't. Th- I saw that name, but I didn't re- do any research. Uh, he's got a lot of physical ability, but you can't find tape of him because he's from Elon. Yeah, uh, there's also Trey Pipkins out of Sioux Falls College. Pipkins is such a cool last name. It is a cool last name. And then the actual guy who's probably going to go pretty high. Did you get? Uh, did you get a chance to look at all uh, um, at the guy out of Alabama State, Titus Howard?
0: Uh yes. I so Titus
1: know. Howard is a quarter is a quarterback converted tight end converted offensive tackle. I don't really under, <laughs> understand
0: like. He seems like he's going to be on the George Fant track to getting... I uh, agree,
1: which is why I don't want to draft him in like the third round. Because it's going to take like two years. But like, dude, the trick plays, you could run. Because <laughs> you know he can throw. If you don't want to, just don't be a coward.
0: Yeah, you have to put him in a weird number too. Because uh, can't you not have yeah, yeah, the the t- t- tackle touching the ball first? Gentlemen,
1: gentlemen, two tight end set, flea flicker play. yeah. <laughs> Titus, Wait, that's, that's Titus Howard throwing to, to George, George Fant. That's the dream, that's, gentlemen. It's going to be a fifteen-yard pass, you cowards. I now know what I am rooting for in the draft. Uh, Fleet Flicker. That's
0: fifteen yards for those guys. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and head to the muddy zone. Um, if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, you can do so for as little as a dollar twenty-four a month, where we put some off-season content. Also, there's a link there to where you can join us for the movie club. We usually watch uh either saturday night or sunday night depending on our schedules uh, we kind of update that thread as we go but you can watch the movie with us no one has joined us yet but i think that as, the more times i say on the podcast soon people will start uh coming to you it. You get our witty banter during the movie oh my gosh, which you is can, you can hear all of our, our 80 like, percent of the time appropriate yeah you might comments. you might hate
1: us more but you also might love us more
0: um so yeah that's uh that's basically uh, that. Also, you can know, over Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a uh, five stars, and uh, it helps us out. It encourages me to to keep going. So, thank you to the following people. And I really don't like that this stupid yeah they changed it. thing. They changed it, and now I can't find the names very easy. Uh, goals. I don't know. Um, Richard, you're cool. Keith, uh, Mirza. Keith, no, not not Mirza.
1: Oh, not Mirza. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's 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 rough. Uh, Chuckatilla. I can't, why can't I? Chuckatilla? Yeah, Josh from Eagle River.
0: Josh, yep. Yeah, that's a good, that's one. Um, <laughs> Michelle. Justin, why, why Brett, Ken, why, why can't I just I click the names anymore? Like it just doesn't make any sense. All right, finally, finally found it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> you guys, you guys ready for a list of names? Forrest, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Chuckatilla, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Keith, Arthur, Frank michelle richard matt michael josh thank you so much you are awesome um
1: you sound so excited i just took, it took so <laughs> long you didn't to see the I, relief in it his voice so long to get he's just find like, like i, I found
2: the patreons you guys are great
0: i i just like it's so hard to get to the list of names now it's Carrie, just carry uh... like, why do they make it so hard okay um <laughs> struggles real then the a movie zone this week we watched uh, Sean, Sean Connery classic
1: 1981's Outland. Yeah,
0: Outland,
1: not Outlander, like I like to shout. Yeah,
0: Out Outland. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's let start. With this. So the movie opens with a gu- They're like these guys. They're working in spacesuits uh, outside on some kind of like mining thing on
1: Io. I know. Because the narrator is an Apple II. Yeah. And everything is written in green font very slowly with really bad sound effects.
0: Easier to read than you might think, but still very annoying. And then, so then, this guy just, like, kills himself. He's, he's like, yelling about spiders and stuff. He has, like, a psychotic break. And then, um, and then... They, he like pulls his uh, air and explodes, and then just kind of falls down in a really bad CGI scene.
1: Yeah, they do a full on scanner style head explosion every time, where it like expands in a comical way, and it looks kind of fake but awesome. Then, yeah, they tried to make so, it good. So then they also uh, borrowed the set from Alien.
0: So then we cut to like the um, Sean Connery's Marshall O'Neill, and uh, he's he's uh, he's like investigating these uh, these murders. And he's talking to the doctor, Dr. Lazarus, and he's doing doing all this investigation stuff. And people are, like, kind of telling him to back off already. And it's, like, only the first scene of the movie. Uh, and, then, and then a guy goes into an elevator and murders, kills himself also.
1: Yeah, because it depressurizes. So, like, by the time the elevator stops, he's basically just hanging out on the surface. And so his guts explode. Yeah. You That's a the s- thing. By the way, did you guys see him? John Ratzenberger was in this what i want to put that out there oh man he played tarlo uh okay so today is sean Connery. did you do that is that what he is that his line in the movie oh he was one of the guys who died i think he might be the guy who died at the very beginning which is why we didn't realize it oh because he's like where yes
0: it is he is the guy who died at the very beginning and it would be <laughs> impossible to tell because you the spacesuits all have like lights around the head yes so it's really hard to see let me talk about a couple okay. things about this movie um right away uh the set design is actually really good. Um, I think they just like basically said we want this movie to look exactly like Alien, and then build sets that make it look like Alien. And they did they executed that to a T. Like the sets look really good, and they have that same kind of like industrial um, kind of grime feel that it almost felt like Alien has. The first
2: three Alien movies, the sets all combined because that's the one thing this movie did super well. I felt like they wanted to. Like, someone wrote this movie, and they're like, you know, no one's going to buy this. And they're like, what if we set
1: it in space? And cast Sean Connery.
2: Yeah, and somebody said, what if we make it look like Alien? And that's how this movie got made. So,
0: director Peter Himes, who we've done a movie of before, Sudden Death is a Peter Himes movie. It is. <laughs> uh, he he said that his his um, goal was he really wanted to make a Western, but no one said, so everyone said, you can't make a Western. Westerns are dead. No one wants to see a Western in 1981. So, he said, okay. I'll make a space western. And he did. And he executed the concept mildly well. This movie basically has the same plot as High Noon. Except for there's a couple problems with it.
1: It takes the first one-third to half of the movie before it gets to the plot of High Noon? Yeah.
0: that. that, But also the fact that, like, in High Noon, the sheriff lives in the town, and when all the people say, like, let it go and we're not going to help you, it's, like, kind of sad because he, like, lives there, you know? It's like all his friends and stuff. In this movie, uh, like... The Lieutenant O'Neill is or Marshal O'Neill or whatever is like new in town, right? He's like it's like the cop in um hot fuzz. He's like right. new in town. And it's so like when everyone's like, Hey, we're not gonna help you, let it go. Like, don't do anything about it. It's uh it's it's like, yeah, of course they say that. Like they don't even know this guy. Um all right, there's a kitchen fight scene, uh, Peter Heim's uh, specialty. Some would argue
2: not enough kitchen fight scenes.
0: Uh, or too many. We're not ch- sure. There's a really <laughs> prolonged chase scene where he's chasing down. It. So he find- figures out that these people are on a drug, and he's got a bust this drug ring up. The drug makes you work extra long hours, so the uh, director of the... It's called
2: methamphetamine, by the way.
0: The director, Shepard, is like, you know, he's seeding the drug to the people so that they can... It makes you feel good and it helps you work longer hours, but
1: then eventually you lose your
0: mind and kill yourself.
1: Shepard, played by Peter Boyle, who you might remember as the monster from Young Frankenstein, or more likely as uh, Ray Brown's dad. Yes. Or the, or the guy from The X-Files. Yep. Uh, okay. So
0: he, he's uh, in the movie, in the movie though. So she- there's all these scenes where, where O'Neal goes to talk to Shepard and I'm like, it should feel really tense. Like these guys should want to kill each other, but it just like, for some reason, those scenes really felt It just flat. feels like
1: a straight up business
0: meeting. Yeah. It, it seemed like they were just two guys talking.
2: It's like they wanted to hide the tension and not overplay it. And I don't know if that was really a great idea.
1: I also don't feel like the two characters had great chemistry. I don't think yeah. Peter Boyle plays a good villain. Um, he just didn't really carry that. Like, he seemed more like a union boss. Than like an evil drug dealer, he felt more hapless than intentional.
0: So anyway, they they capture one of the drug dealers and they put him in like this zero g jail cell, which is a really cool idea. Yes, and then they and then he's like, "I'm not going to tell you anything." And he's like, "All right, then, see you later." And then he goes to threaten Shepard. So Shepard decides, you know what, this guy's getting flying a little too close to the sun. He destroyed a bu- during the drug bust, he destroyed like
1: tons, tons of, of drugs.
0: Tons of drugs. He kept pulling when he was pulling those. He there were, the drugs were hidden in like a. Like a meat locker, and he kept pulling them out from between steaks. And there was just, he kept pulling out more packets, more packets of jello and more packets of jello and more packets of jello. And I'm like, how many of these little packets are in this meat locker? Like, this is insane. And he was draping them over his shoulder, and eventually, I like, couldn't fit any more on the one yeah, shoulder or like so the other with, shoulder. Uh, and I was like, uh, <laughs> with like, uh, <laughs> blood packs, yeah. like, like, <laughs> like blister blood packs or something. I don't know what they actually were. Um, so then he decides he's gonna hire a couple assassins and they're gonna arrive on the next food train. Well, uh O'Neal has one of his coworkers that he relies on a lot, so that guy sends him like a secret message that's like, Next food train, it's it's going down. And so he's he's like, Okay, I gotta gotta do something, gotta rally the troops. No one of course no one will help him. So he uh, he decides, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight off this assassin these assassins or whatever. It, it the thing that would me here is that there was what, two assassins, Kevin?
1: So the whole thing is They're like the assassins are coming in on the shuttle and they show like the shuttle open up and everything. And everyone's like doing that thing where you're doing your job, but intentionally like avoiding eye contact because they all know that the showdown's coming. And so they show all these dudes get off with like briefcases and stuff. And then the two dudes at the very end, like kneel down and assemble rifles. And it seems like these 20 assassins have been sent to like just kill this guy. And you're like, whoa, this is gonna be epic. Nope, turns out it was just those last two guys. Yeah, but then and
0: then the two guys. But you can't
1: figure that out from watching it. So like at the end, we're sitting there like, is that was it? Yeah, because the guys that pour out before them, you're like, he kills. Oh,
0: he kills them both in a really cool way. Yes, with the pressurized corridor. The pressurized corridor with the bomb was pretty cool. Let me say it this way:
1: he killed them both in really cool concepts. Yeah, (laughs) but (laughs) when (laughs) you're watching it, it was kind of anticlimactic. What about when he tricks that
0: guy into shooting the? He like throws this like thing outside the greenhouse window, and the guy shoots it. And then depressurizes the greenhouse and kills himself. Yep. I thought that was pretty funny too. The, but then the best part is he, he gets he gets confronted after that by the inside man. It's one of his own his own lieutenants. Uh, the that the the, the only the black guy. cop <laughs> exactly. Uh, he, there he that guy turns out it, it turns out he's bad. Uh, so he's got to fight him too. And then they they fight outside uh, near like a satellite in then,
1: zero G and it's really slow. It's you zero know, G. It, yeah. That
2: that turn kind of felt. It felt expected, but it still kind of felt cool.
1: There were That was a fine turn. I feel like a lot of the plot decisions in this movie were not the problem. The problem was, once again, all of the action felt clunky and slow. That's because they're in zero Well, except for, when, except
0: for at the end of the movie where he goes up to Shepard and he <laughs> knocks him out in one punch. And then is like, I'm out, I'm going back to Earth. For just one leaves. whole year. And then he just leaves. Yep. Uh, so, I like to... He's liked- going to
1: buy a bunch of lube and sleep with his wife for one year. Yeah. That's what he says at the end.
0: Um, so, okay. Overall, feelings. Eric. Oh man, I thought
2: like it was a two out of five. You guys saw this when you were younger? Yes. No. Oh, what? I thought
1: in the I chat ne- it sounded like... I, I never, saw, it, in, I'd never I saw it, it once in high school. That's and it. Okay. I, I, just, like I was not
2: it. young. I felt like if you saw it before in your youth that you may have liked it better. No, when I was a youth, I liked it about the same, I'd say. The pacing was just too, too off. I wouldn't even say slow, even though it was slow. It was too off for me. It's a Western uh so yeah I, but but
1: seriously this was the no. <laughs> sl- so this movie was an hour and 49 minutes and if you told me it was two hours and 15 minutes i've been like feels right yes um
0: okay so here's my things about kevin i'll, I'll go give mine and then you give your score last cool. okay so the thing for me i really like the soundtrack i really like the sets i thought the story was building to something really cool but it just kind of that ending was a little bit of a letdown for me it didn't the from the point where they they had the showdown between Shepard and or sorry O'Neill and Shepard, I really thought like that point should have ratcheted up the tension and the action, and instead it just kind of like kept the same kept the same keel. And i i wanted I wanted it to kind of go to eleven, and it never quite did. Um, I still thought it was a solid movie, just not spectacular. Like I'd give it a two and a half uh, out of five. Kevin,
1: uh, I'm in a really similar situation. I liked how it looked. I mostly like how it sounded. Though I could have done with a little less of the beeps and boops, but when you're in the late '70s, early '80s sci-fi, you just get a lot of that, and you can kind of. it. What was with up it. with
0: all the like the like reader boards with like text on them?
1: Uh, it was because they didn't want to spring for a narrator, so they just had Apple II do all the work. Yeah, it's like every once in a while you just see like a
0: random reader board like showing text like explaining something that yeah, telling real, you something text re- uh, a, to, like plot a, relevant. A real reader board would never actually explain it; was only for the plot. Yeah,
1: exactly. exactly, and so I like Frances Sternhagen, who played Doctor Lazarus. She was really good. Uh, Sean Connery was solid, Peter Boyle was good, but in the end, the movie just yeah, it never quite got there, and it it never got into a third gear when it needed to, and so I would agree with you. I I have it at a two and a half out of five as well. It was it just never quite hit its spot.
0: I think this movie. Here's my thing about Outland. You ready for this? It was almost a really good movie. You can remake this movie and do, like, a couple small changes. If they remake this movie in, like, 2020, and they're like, Outland, and everyone's like, that's a remake? And you'd be like, yeah, that's a remake. People won't actually know it's a remake for one. But two, I think you don't have to change much to make this movie like really good. Yeah, you, uh, you could, could just
1: shoot it better and have better action scenes and that would at least put it to a three. But right.
0: keep the good acting, because Sean Connery yeah, the and the set holds this movie. They have
1: good actors. I do think that, that... Scene... I like Peter Boyle a lot, but I think Peter Boyle would have been better as like cast. his second in command on the cops scene. What about
0: that scene where the guy's locked in the room with a knife and he's threatening to kill the prostitute? And Sean Connery's counting down and stuff. I thought that
1: scene was the most tense and, that was, and good yeah. scene in the movie. Oh, that, that's, that's the in, guy, uh, uh, James Siking or Sicking. Yeah, uh, played Montone, who was the other cop. I feel like Peter Boyle had been really good in that role. That guy was good in that role too. That though. guy was good in that role too. But I'm just saying, like,
0: I like how they made been, his they made his death. Oh, so that's in the, that was a funny part. So they he died by getting choked to death, and they made it look like an autoerotic asphyxiation yep. uh, thing and uh so so when connery found it found him dead he's like no So then, when he goes to recover the drugs, he knows the assassin likes to choke people. The person that killed uh, (laughs) the other guy, so he wears this like plastic neck guard and then pretends to get choked to death, but really didn't get choked. It was so funny to me because then he he (laughs) it was so specific. uh, He gets up, he beats the guy up, and like you know, and like he like one punched that guy, and like you saw blood fly out. Like it was like, dang, Sean Connery brings it in this scene, and then he brisketed him, and then. (laughs) He pulls out that plastic piece out of his <laughs> neck, and I'm just like, "That is so dumb."
1: Yeah, we were both in the chat at the same time. Like, does he have a does he have a neck guard? That's the best. It's so great. It, it was, was so, so
2: it was perfectly stupid. Um, well, I searched for the shaking head emoji. Uh, <laughs> didn't find it.
0: Yeah, it's it's good special text for the time. Like, it's not great. There's a couple times where you really know it's 1981 when it's it, being made.
1: It just it it just missed its punch. Okay. If it would have ratcheted up the final act. And you really felt just the know, a couple and it,
0: more scenes like that one with the, with the prostitute. Like just a couple more scenes where it got really tense and you could feel the tension instead of just like Peter Boyle swinging golf shots while, while Sean Connery is like, well, I'm going to get you. And then he's like, okay, whatever, buddy. I think you bit off more than you can chew. And he hits another, like he's doing executive time in his office. You yes. Know, with it.
2: Which that was a thing in eighties movies, space driving ranges. Like, digital driving ranges that people used, that must have been a very popular
0: thing. (laughs) All right, so uh, if you have seen Outland and you have thoughts on it, leave us your thoughts for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronenbeck. We will see you next week. Go Hawks!